And here we go. The Sprista's Goose. <laughs> I don't apocalypse on Shabbos. <laughs> Trump Shabbos. <laughs> I say that doesn't sound like too good of a story for him then. <laughs> yes, it's an 80s film, but it's a quintessential 80s film. That motherfucker gets me excited about science. But yes, I, I do think that this movie requires a couple more views. I have the same cup size as Doc Hawk. <laughs> Give me my sandwich. <laughs> no crusts. Was it an instant classic for you? Uh, no. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavanard. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film past or present absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Shaken, not stirred. How was that? Was that a good Sean Connery? I don't know what that means. <laughs> did you Did you think Sean Connery was here with you? No. When I just said that? Damn it. How okay. are you going to shake a drink? It'll get everywhere. No, you put it in a shaker. Oh. Do you not, do you not partake in the alcoholic beverages? Uh, hey, man. How? So what is it? The 29th? How was uh, your Christmas? It was pretty good. But now my half birthday is only one day away. So <laughs> <laughs> on to the good stuff. <laughs> Well, I'm aware of all the times that you've reminded me and everyone else in the world about yeah. it. <laughs> As we record this, I am one day away from being 39 and a half, and I'm excited. <laughs> so funny. You're the only person I've ever met that's actually celebrated their half birthday. I don't even know what my half birthday that's is. It's so funny because when I tell people it's my half birthday, some people will go, mine's on this day. <laughs> like, no right away. Really? Yeah, but they don't They don't like shout it out to the world. I'm, I'm a special creature when it comes that way. <laughs> it's okay. He's special. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you what's not special is the stupid movie you made me watch. Oh, ouch! Fighting words. Uh, what movie are we? What movie are we doing? We are doing James Bond Spectre or Spectre, a James Bond story. <laughs> <laughs> Solo. <laughs> yeah, Spectre. Spe- I, I I love Spectre. Uh, so I'm, that's why I'm excited to do this, and I'm excited to get your thoughts on it. Um, the Daniel Craig film series of Bond. He is now what is it? Sixteen years of playing Bond the longest tenured bond so far 13 years sorry yeah, i was gonna say wasn't it like 2006 <laughs> yeah thir- 13 years of playing bond uh longest tenured bond i believe so far not the most films sean connery is seven if i'm not mistaken yeah but they pumped but, movies out a lot faster back then exactly those were like uh villain of the week kind of movies mm-hmm. and with these they're obviously on a grander scale they emulate a lot more of the big action grandiose like mission impossible does but daniel craig has been consistent since 2006 yeah. as as mr mr james bond mr. jimmy bond, bond. mr bond uh this movie is directed by sam mendez sam mendez uh, his most recent film 1917 it looks beautiful is out right now uh, sam mendez is also responsible for movies like revolutionary road things we lost in the fire road to perdition american beauty he's uh he's a very very good man so he's he's great at directing he also did skyfall if that Makes if no one knew that, yes, that is Uh, (laughs) this film. Falls. (laughs) This film stars Daniel Craig, Christoph Waltz, Leah Sadu, Ray Fiennes, Monica Bellucci, Ben Wishaw, Naomi Harris, and Dave Bautista. Bautista. I was hoping you'd sing to that. That's pretty good. So (laughs) he drives a car uh, really, really slow in movies. 
Because he's so big. Because yeah. he's just a, a huge person. Like, he has to go to the big and tall store, and they still don't have clothes that fit him there. They have to put the steering he's, wheel in the center of the car. Yeah, he is just a huge man. He's a big dude. So, uh, so aside from your personal uh, reception, can you give us some critical reception on this film? Yeah, let's see here. Here's a, here's a good one. Ryan Thyrak from The Reader. He's my favorite. (laughs) Not in a second he won't be. (laughs) Spectre's entire problem harkens back to the long-grieved desire about both having and eating cake. A film can be gritty and brutal or campy and silly. If a movie is all of those things, it leaves you shaken, not stirred. I can tell he put a lot of thought into that. (laughs) And he thinks it's clever, (laughs) but it's not. (laughs) That's stupid. Yikes. He gave it a C-. How about that? Ugh. I don't like that guy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm deleting him off, deleting him off of my Apple News right. or whatever. I think, I think that's, that's uh, a little dumb, but whatever. Um, action. Let's see here. Daniel Orton. He says, action-packed and witty. A classic British spy caper. Hmm, that's not bad. And I should mention, by the way, that this is the Rotten Tomates and that Spectre is certified fresh at a whopping 63% from the tomato meter and then 61 with the audience score. So... Pretty pretty even. That doesn't happen terribly often, but in this case, I do. Right. Um, yep. Let's see here. We have Matthew Lucas, a strange kind of hybrid that isn't fully realistic or unrealistic enough to be pure vintage Bond, but he still liked it. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Rachel Wagner. It's an old school Bond movie with some good action, some silly banter, and beautiful women. Hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, pretty much every James Bond film, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Uh, Peter Rayner from the... Oh, I know this guy. We, we talked about this guy. <laughs> he comes up a lot. Christian Science <laughs> Monitor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good old CSM. <laughs> it says, if one of the most successful and long-running franchises in movie history wants to keep pumping... If you want to maximize your pump, basically, it's once again time to change the formula. C plus. C plus. I can't imagine any world where I would agree with this man, but I think he might be onto something. On drugs? Mm. On the reefer? (laughs) The devil's lettuce. There we go. May Abdul-Baki. She says, Spectre can certainly be enjoyed on its own, but it does do a good job of tying together all the pieces left behind in the previous three films. An entertaining trip into the world of 007, even if it isn't as good as its predecessor. Ooh, I like it. So yeah, that's more in line with your thinking. Yep. Um, so I thought I'd end it on that one. I was like, oh, this, this person's drinking the same GD Kool-Aid as Zachary. Um, I don't have Kool-Aid. I just have Monster. So. Yeah. You got Powerade. That's different. <laughs> That'd be cool if this podcast got super big and we got sponsored by Monster. I wouldn't know what to do. I would just drink Monster all day. I have a Monster hoodie now and I have a Monster <laughs> shirt because my brother-in-law, he keeps all the little tabs and they had like a little giveaway thing where if you send in your little tabs, then you from the cans. You get prizes. Mm-hmm. And I had a bag with probably like 600 tabs and I lost it in the move. And then um, not this move to California, but um, sometime in Washington, I lost it. And mm-hmm. anyway, so he's like, hey, what do you want? You can pick anything you want. 
And so I got the hoodie, but then he surprised me with with a shirt. He had this bag of like ten thousand tabs, and then and then holy shit! Yeah, so I've been walking around with this sick ass monster hoodie that I love. It's all black, but it just has an M on the on the uh, right breast, as it were. Mm-hmm. And then and then he got me a shirt too, and I was like, oh, it's Christmas, Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Dream still come true. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. You said sponsorship by Monster. Yeah, that'd be fun. Unleash the beast. Make um, sure to drink your vitamins. Kids. Yeah, your B vitamins <laughs> and your taurine and all the other things. There's water if in you, Monster, you know. If your pee is not neon yellow, you're not getting enough Monster in your diet. Oh, man. I got I got that Crystal Skull vodka once. Um, oh, yeah. And I just wanted the bottle. And um, mm-hmm. I got it. And so... I didn't pour out the vodka, but I came pretty close to it. But anyway, I just wanted the bottle. <laughs> and um, and then I poured my monster in there, and I was going to drink it from there. But then I saw the color of it, and I didn't like it. <laughs> so now I keep it in the can. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't see it, I mean, it's not there. Yeah, it kind of just looks gross. It looks like a rusted battery or something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're not the healthiest thing for you, but damn it. What are you talking I about? Keep, uh, I know. <laughs> I keep drinking them, too. Anyways, this isn't a monster podcast. It should be. It could be. <laughs> I know. That'd be funny. Uh, I didn't find any awards for this film, uh, just because it was kind of my half-assed research. But um, box office numbers. Oh, you, you do the box office numbers. You're always so good at that. Am I? I just read what you I wrote. The budget was $245 million. You could buy a lot of monster with $245 million. <laughs> Opening weekend here in the States, it did $70.4 million. Not quite Dr. Evil money, but close. Um, Oof, the total gross in the United States was $200 million. Worldwide, $880 million. That's, Damn. that's a lot. That's balling. That's a ton of money. It is. So the oh, what I got? Oh, a couple of fun facts for you. Three of them, to be precise. Daniel Daniel Craig said that it was getting harder and harder to get fit for his shirtless scenes as James Bond at the age of forty-seven, saying, "Am I getting to? Am I getting my kit off in this movie? Of course, I'm getting my kit off. I seem to be." bare-chested throughout the film again. Yes, I've been working out for six months. I work myself to death to get fit. No secret method involved. Just sheer hard graft. It's getting harder, I will admit, but such is life. I'll keep going as long as I'm physically able. I think he looks good at 47 when he was filming this. I think he looks great. I wish I could look like that when I'm 47. Well, but at, I don't 39 have money. And a, at 39 and a half, I feel like I'm close. <laughs> You're almost there. Yeah, one more day. One more day. <laughs> one more day. Oh, pretty good. I should be a comedian there. I would like to subscribe to your fitness regimen. Oh, there, yeah. So. so you got to drink the big cans of monsters, see? <laughs> oh, shit. 16 ounces okay, ain't going to do it. No, it's you not. Need 20. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is the first Daniel Craig James Bond movie where the main villain is apprehended pending being arrested rather than killed off. This was the fate of General Georgi Kosovo. Ko- uh, Kos- Koskov, I'm so sorry. The main villain in the main villain in the Living Daylights wasn't that the Timothy Dalton one. Yeah, yeah. Who was left to be arrested? The first James Bond movie where his outcome occurred, though it was implied that Koskov would be executed shortly thereafter. Was it Timothy Dalton in two of them, or was yeah, he, in he was in two. He was in uh, Living Daylights and uh, Licensed. Yeah. Never seen it. Oh no, no, that wasn't it. License to Kill. Licensed to Kill. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Wasn't one of those an unofficial? 
James Bond movie? Or that was Live and Let Die, right? Uh, yeah, that was when... Bo- no, Never Say Never Again. That was when like Bond like came back. It was like a reboot to Thunderball. Mmm, there you go. Okay. So, and then finally, pre-production on this movie began during the making and release of Skyfall in 2012. Similarly, pre-production on Quantum of Solace began before Casino Royale started filming. So, this is interesting because... Not many Bond films had great continuity. There were re- reoccurring characters and such, but they didn't have this kind of story that was yeah, connected to the dots. On, yeah, akin to Mission Impossible. Because Mission Impossible, what they're well, doing now Mission is Impossible three through whatever we're on. Yes. Sorry, there you go. Yeah, because because two two was just like a dream that he had. One was you know his early stages when he was on acid and whatever. But then uh, yeah, three, four, five, and six are all fantastic. Real quick, it's interesting that you say yeah. that this was more or less the first one where the main villain got or apprehended instead of just murdered. Um, I know, right? But, In a grotesque but way. What's, what's crazy is that these movies have all sort of just had um, puppets in them. Like, we never really knew who the bad guy ultimately was. We knew that there was this other thing going on. Higher power. Yes. And so... You know, you could argue that at one point when, um, what's his cheese, uh, Mr. White, when he got arrested at the end, he got shot and was kind of taken down. And uh, we find out in Quantum of, so at the end of Casino Royale, we think that Mr. Mm-hmm. White is more powerful than he really is. You know, we ultimately yeah. think that he's the one that's pulling the strings. And so, yeah, Lashif got killed and everything. But then I was, I was convinced that Mr. White was going to be sort of the, the the big bad, as it were. And then he's just thrown in a trunk in Quantum of Solace. And I love how it takes place like right after uh, Casino Royale. I think that's great. Um, and then he mm-hmm. says, you know, first thing you need to know is that we have people everywhere. And then, uh, you know, he ended up not to be such a such a big part, but. Um, I remember thinking to myself, wow, where's this going? This is crazy. Yeah, I really did like, so I powered through these uh, four movies in two days and watching Casino Royale and then immediately watching Quantum of Solace actually made me appreciate Quantum of Solace a little mm-hmm. bit more because of the fact that it it picked up right where it left off. And, and that was nice. If you had not seen quantum of solace since casino royale i think there was a couple year difference in that then you probably would have been slightly lost or been like oh hey i need to maybe remember everything that happened yeah and i think a lot of people um shit on that one the most out of the bond out of the Mm -hmm. daniel craig bond movies um but i i've oddly enough i've never really had a problem with it i actually enjoy it i wouldn't say it's my favorite but when it ended i was like well that was a lot going on but that was also another Bond movie that had uh, an interesting way of filming. It had a lot of fun shots, uh, like how the beginning that you like of of uh, Spectre at the parade, the Day of the Dead parade oh, and everything. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. There's a lot of shots similar to that in Quantum of Sauce. Not long ones, but sort of artistic, an artistic approach to Bond, which I thought was refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's kind of off-putting for some people because it's not what they expect from a Bond movie, but I can appreciate it. Right. Well, and I mean, we can argue about this later. Talk, discuss this later. But in my opinion, Skyfall is is 
one of the best Bond films of all time. And a lot of it is because of how beautifully shot it was by Mr. Roger Deakins. And you see his trademarks throughout that film with the different low lighting techniques, um, the ambient lights from the the fire. So I I just saw the trailer for 1917 again the other day. And there is a scene where the main character is in like a town square and it's on fire and it's it's just backlit by fire. And that reminded me immediately of Skyfall when they're at the, the Skyfall ranch and they're walking, you know, Silva's there and it's just fire in this night sky. Um, so he, he definitely has his tropes that he uses, but he is just such a master and like Sicario, he does the same thing. This film was, uh, the cinematographer was Hoyt Van Hoytema. I believe is how you say his name. Uh, he did Dunkirk interstellar and her. So he does have a pretty good resume as well. Similar to Deacons. I'm sure he's like kind of a disciple of him or a fanboy of his, but I think he did a really good job. And that, that, that long take at the beginning, was masterclass in my I was life. too busy sleeping through it. You are a dick. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm pretty good. Uh, like me when it's over. This is long. All right. Well, then let's jump right into it. Um, what did you think of this? Oh, bored movie? me to death. Uh, first time I saw it, I was on a date and I just was not nice. into it at all. I thought it was boring. I thought if it felt like I, I was talking this to, um, one of our one of our listeners on the Twitter um, about it, and um, I said that it felt like just a car commercial, like it was just trying to show mm-hmm. off all the features that this car has, and it's in kind of not slow motion, but just presented slowly, and it and it really bothered me how boring it was. You're too busy making out on your date to even watch the movie. That's why I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> uh, I really did like it, and. I've only seen it that one time when it came out. So it's been quite a while since I've seen it. So 2015, I don't really remember anything about it. So when I went into it, there were only a few things I remembered, like how how Christoph Waltz was Blowfield, how they were brothers, I think. I, I wasn't sure on their relationship until I saw it again. But then I also, I think the thing I didn't, because I didn't immediately like it when I left the theaters back in 2015. And I think a lot of it was because the relationship between bond and Madeline was not, it didn't feel real. It feels like he was still like hung up on Vesper and then just, Oh, Hey, I met a new, I met a new sad girl. So I wasn't really invested in that, but I didn't have a great memory for it. So I'm actually really glad I rewatched it. Cause I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And partly because I watched all four of them back to back to back to back. But that's probably why I liked it so much. It, it tied everything together. Kind of like that last critic mm-hmm. that you read that, you were stating. Yeah. So. Um, I should mention it was uh, at Stoltz Ken that I was talking to. So shout out to him. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, he's one of. Thank, he's one thank of the you followers. for listening. A... Um, but yeah, and I agree. Like I, the whole part where she's like, "I love you, James." I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, like he was about to die, so she's like, "I love you." And what if he's like, "Ooh, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to commit <laughs> to that." And even even after the train scene with Batista. Um, they just get caught up in the moment and then all of a sudden they are in the throes of lovemaking. And I'm just like, all right, that, that's fine. Yeah. That, yeah. It, it, it just, it, it didn't seem like it was a real relationship. At least with Vesper, they had a lot of, you know, back and mm-hmm. forth. Um, and you felt kind of more intense and they shared that moment where she 
was not proficient with a gun and she had to step in to try to save him. And then there was like blood on her and she was shocked. And, you know, he goes in and he's sitting with her in the shower. So there's really that kind of bonding moment uh, that they shared together. And in this one, it didn't yeah. really. It's like, Oh, we haven't had our, our lovemaking scene yet. And we're two hours into this five hour movie. So we better get started. <laughs> maybe that's why he's so good is maybe that's why everyone mm-hmm. loves him so much. <laughs> and even okay back to the beginning really uh, fast i'm sorry so they're at the they're yeah, at the parade yeah. and i hate parades by the way <laughs> i'll never i'll never what? go to a parade ever i hope my kids hate them too because <laughs> i don't want to go and uh i just don't like it. you gotta get there early you gotta sit around and you're watching people walk by that's that's not fun <laughs> and then um <laughs> I'm just saying they're stupid, and uh, and I hate it. And um, anyway, so they're there, and they're walking through the street in New Mexico City, and then they get into the hotel room, and then she gets ready for the 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 hot, passionate lovemaking. It's like, all right, see ya. I got shit to do, and then he leaves the hotel, and then he there's this epic helicopter scene, and. It never ends. I feel like it is just the longest thing ever with this helicopter just diving into the crowd. <laughs> and I was thinking of Hot Rod when he keeps doing the flips when he's punch dancing down his rage. <laughs> he's like flipping. And I'm just like, when is this stupid helicopter thing just going to crash or fly away? It drives me nuts. He kicks out the guy and then the guy dying. He could have landed on somebody. Who knows? And then he's fighting with the pilot. And then it finally ends. And like 13 minutes into it, it goes to the dun dun. Dun, dun, dun. I'm like, finally, Jesus, tap dancing, Christ! Oh, <laughs> uh, what was your first exposure to James Bond? Holy shit! Um, I was a very young man, and <laughs> <laughs> when I wore a young man's clothes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was. Uh, I think I might have actually been in junior high, um, and it started from the beginning. I started with Doctor No. Nice, but I actually hated that movie. I was like, "What? I don't understand why everyone likes this. This is boring." And because uh, Doctor No is just not that; it's pretty slow. Um, yeah. But then, from Russia with Love, the second one is actually pretty good. And I like how I like the car in that one. I like the, how they get on the train. I always liked mm-hmm. like train heist or train mystery movie type things. It's kind of a fun setting, um, very theatrical, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I kind of dug that one. And then I just kind of went through the line. They were really easy to just go to the video store and rent. It's no big deal. But it was also kind of my first real intro into different people playing character, which I, at the time of being a kid, I thought that was fascinating. I was like, I don't understand. But then my dad's like, well, people get tired of doing shit and they get old. <laughs> that, was, that, was his, that was his explanation. People get tired of doing shit and they get old. So, and they just want to keep the character alive. There's There's so many fascinating documentaries on James Bond and the property and the, the trials and tribulations that come with making those movies. And, and uh, it's, it's a lot to take in. And I, and I totally. get it. Like Daniel Craig, he's, he has been very successful as James Bond, but almost every interview he's ever done talking about the movie, he, he, it's almost like he hates it. He's like, Oh, I hate working out. Oh, I hate all the stunts. Oh, it's too dangerous. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I remember thinking like, man, what an asshole this guy is. But then when I saw him around, I, I was like, well, that's probably got more. I forgive you for all the shit that you said, but I remember almost—it almost felt like he was crying about it. Like, dude, you're in like one of the most yeah. iconic roles in the history of cinema, and you are complaining about it. And uh, you mean I, 
I get to be an ostentatious character and wear the nicest things possible and work out and make out with beautiful women. Right. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Craig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's funny you say that because like that's li- that's really what um, Spectre felt like to me. It felt like just like a, a Rolex commercial or like one of those um, espresso <laughs> commercials that you see in Europe where it's just like cutting to this nice dressed dude walking around, checking into a hotel and stuff. And I, Nescafe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it feels like to me. And I'm just like going batshit crazy over it. I'm like, why is this good? It's not good. I hate this movie. Nice. <laughs> um, so my exposure to James Bond was when I was a young lad, about eight years old, probably. Uh, I got a Nintendo 64. My brother and I, we played GoldenEye. And I was very, very excited. We unlocked, you know, like Ajab, Jaws, Baron Samaji, all those characters. And I didn't really know much about James Bond. So my dad was like, same same as your dad, you know, let's go to the video store. We got a whole bunch of them. We watched like Moonraker, uh, Octopussy, uh, Thunderball, Goldfinger, all those ones. And I really enjoyed James Bond. But it had been a long time since I seen it. And I'm not a James Bond purist like some people. Uh, One of the arguments that I've read and heard was how, I mean, clearly James Bond back in the day was (laughs) arguably a sexual predator. (laughs) You can't you can't do some of the stuff that he was doing because it was incredibly incredibly misogynistic. But uh, there's a lot of true James Bond fans who are like, you could never make him a woman. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. But uh, I, I think it's just one of those things that is always a, a hot button debate for the purists of James Bond. But yeah, that was my exposure to it. So. <laughs> yeah, people are weird, man. Some, they are weird. Some folks hold their uh, those properties pretty close to their chest. <clears throat> Star Wars. <clears throat> yeah, tell me about it. I know. So, all right, let me read a, a, a decently quick synopsis, but this is a very long movie. This movie is 148 minutes, I believe. So it is the longest James Bond film in the franchise. So I will try to go through this with as much detail. This was written by Mr. Z.D. Rancourt. So after yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good guy. You should go hug him. Zachary Daryl. Dale. Dale. <laughs> Dale. Darnell! <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> no. David, man. All right. Anyways, after handling Silva and dealing with the unfortunate death of M, James Bond is back and ready for another mission. Bond hunts down an assassin and discovers his unique octopus ring in Mexico, Mexico City during an off-the-books mission that M alerted, to, alerted him to posthumously. Under scrutiny from Parliament, Mallory, the new M, decides to keep Bond on a short leash. M informs Bond of a new surveillance program that will be taken over MI6 as the new national security program, headed by the arrogant and ignorant director, C. Against direct orders, Bond heads to Rome to infiltrate a secret meeting between many villainous businessmen. This secret group, codenamed Spectre, is headed by Bond's brother, air quotes, Blowfield. After a thrilling car chase through Rome by a hulking miniboss, Bond travels to meet Mr. White, who he, whom he has run into before on several occasions. White informs Bond that he needs to find L'Americaine and that his daughter, Madeline, was the only one who could help him. Bond promises to take care of Madeline as White decides to take his own life. Bond heads to Austria to meet Madeline, but has to quickly intercept the mini-boss as he kidnaps her. 
Bond, Madeline, and Q discover that Spectre is a worldwide criminal organization that has been responsible for every major act of terror for the last 15 years. Spectre's headquarters is located in a remote desert of South Africa, so Bond and Madeline must make their way there alone. Meanwhile, British Parliament has declared that C's national surveillance program will officially take over for MI6 as the country's new line of defense in 48 hours. This becomes problematic for MQ and Moneypenny, who are no longer able to help Bond for risk of being discovered by C. At the Spectre headquarters, Blowfield shows Bond that he is able to control worldwide surveillance and C has been working for him secretly. Blowfield explains to Madeline his familial relationship with Bond and that he killed his own father because of that relationship. Blowfield tortures Bond until he finally reveals a trick up his sleeve. Bond activates his explosive watch and gives it to Madeline, who throws it at Blowfield, injuring him and his henchmen. Bond and Madeline escape the HQ after watching it explode and make way to London. The two rendezvous with M and crew, explaining that C is a villain and must be stopped. The group make their way to C, but are intercepted by some baddies as Bond and Madeline are captured. Bond is taken to MI6 to confront Blowfield again as he explains that Bond has three minutes to find Madeline in MI6 before the building explodes. Bond is successful with seconds to spare and chases Blowfield's helicopter by boat, eventually shooting him down. Bond catches up to Blowfield but decides to spare his life, setting aside the the life of a double O agent in order to stay with Madeline, the one he loves. Despite the demons of our past, there is always salvation and redemption. Sorry that was so long, but it was a very long movie. It's a long movie, yeah. I wish we only had three minutes to watch the movie. That would have been great. I know. Sorry. I tried my best, and please don't hate me. But that was great. Uh, So that's the movie. Um, But my biggest question to you, Justin, is is why didn't you like this? You kind of touched on it a little bit, and you said it was slow and boring, but why ultimately did you not like this film? Um, I mean, that's that's literally it. Almost every oh. Bond movie that I like is a little bit more fast-paced. It's it's fun. It's festive. He's doing a bunch of impossible shit that only James Bond can do. And this just didn't have it. And I think that part of the problem, too, is that Skyfall set the bar so high. Like, Skyfall could have very well been the very last James Bond movie, and I would have been 100% okay with that. It's not my and, favorite James Bond yeah. movie, but like a perfect James Bond movie. And um i think that was just hard to follow up i don't i don't know if anybody could have but on the plus side given that this movie wasn't so amazing the next one has the potential to surpass it and be more enjoyable so i really like what they did with skyfall and i agree with you that it could have been the last one because you have the death of m who was this maternal figure to james uh you have this kind of go back to his roots sort of thing and i love the idea of age will always catch up to you and james is not the same james bond he you know his physical fitness test is way off all of his psychological evaluations are off and he has met a counterpart in silva who he can kind of sympathize slightly with or empathize with slightly where he was an agent who was left on his country he's obviously insane but james has to come to terms with that and i think that it was it would have been a very good bookend to his saga so in, in a certain sense, I'll agree with you that it was weird that Spectre came out because you're like, wait a minute, he's kind of doing the same thing that he did before where he's older and I don't know, it's it's kind of like a dying thing. And the whole idea with MI6 trying to kill off the double O agents, it didn't seem to have that much gravity because I'm like, you guys kind of already said this was going to happen in the last film and they you know, he, Bond is like always off the grid and all of in all of these Daniel Craig versions. He's always like off the grid or doing <laughs> off mission, right? He never right, does right. things in order. And they're like, 
What is he doing? Can we trust him? Oh, <laughs> always. And then yeah. they put a, they put Someone a tracking, find him. Oh, they put, put a, a tracking tra- tracking chip in him. <laughs> yeah, put a fucking bell on that guy. No one knows where he's at. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> it's um, so weird. It's like I've yeah. seen this over and over and over again. It's like how many times has this asshole got to save the world for you to just trust that he knows what he's doing? I know. I don't get it. Well, and and um, I'm trying to think of. A license to kill isn't just a license to kill. It's also a license not to kill. Nice. That's what he says, and it's stupid. <laughs> Mallory, I liked it. I liked oh, it. Oh, my God. And that's another thing, too. There's this little side battle going on between Voldemort and this other guy, and it's not even <laughs> <Let> it remotely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, dude, check out this one. It's fucking sick. So in, in terms of exactly what you're, you're talking about with, with C and M. Uh, and we know what C stands for. <laughs> I thought he was going to say cunt. <laughs> I did too. That's a very British thing to say. It's I, probably uh, stereotypical, but I feel like they dropped that as much as we say, like, cool. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> cunt beans, cunt beans. <laughs> so I knew right away. And again, I don't remember anything about this movie. It was so weird because I really didn't remember anything about uh, the Blowfield's plan. But I knew mm-hmm. as soon as C was talking about the basically the NSA thing, the national surveillance I was like, okay, he's he's a bad guy and he's working with Blowfield. And honestly, like I did not remember a single thing from this movie. So that was I was like, oh, that was really freaking predictable. So that was yeah. that was so a bummer I, for me. One thing that I think is a better payoff than than the the predictable internal guy that ends up being a bad guy is when um uh when they actually end up being good. Um like even like most Recent example of that would be um, like in Captain Marvel when um, Ben Mendelsohn's character uh, mm-hmm. Talos, um, you're not sure if he's really a good guy. Like you know how the 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 scrolls or whatever are trying to kill Captain Marvel for like the first hour of the movie, and then all of a sudden they meet up and he's like, "Oh, we're not really the bad guys. I didn't understand what you were." Blah blah blah. And like, is this guy really gonna be an asshole this whole movie? And then when he sees his, when they go up to space and then he meets up with his wife and child, and you're like, it solidifies that, yeah, okay, he's a good guy. Yeah. And that's like a really comforting and good feeling. And sometimes I think that that is just better than being that obligatory, obligatory like internal rat that's just like ruining everything. Like it would have been better if this guy all of a sudden had these keys to the internet and was able to find the bad guy all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He's going yeah. on and on about all this surveillance and how we use it and you know that's that's the big thing right is they're arguing over people's like right to privacy and it's too scary having all this power and blah 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 and what if in the end the twist was look at what we act this actually helped us out so i don't know it just bothered me yeah and i agree with you i mean i think that 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 could have been done differently but again, I I don't I don't direct. Um, it ruined the movie for me, Zachary. Wow. Zachary Darnell Rancourt. <laughs> All right, JCC Cavender. <laughs> uh, I but, was one hundred percent on board, and then and then that boat sunk. I mean, that opening scene though. I know you said it's long, and the helicopter fight oh, is long. So long. Thirteen minutes. My my favorite aspect of these Daniel Craig films is the action. I think it is so flawless. It's just like a John Wick or 
But again, see, I don't think it's actiony. I think things are happening, but it's not even remotely exciting in this movie. Oh, the car chase with, with Batista, where they're going upstairs, downstairs, around stairs. Mm-hmm. They're not going fast. They're just driving. Have you ever driven a car before, Justin? I have. <laughs> fast. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> this this movie, they have all these badass cars, and, and they're just going upstairs, downstairs, around the river bend, up the river bend. Into he, the river. I don't he know. Uses it's a plane. Just, he uses a plane to chase those jeeps and stuff in the snow. Oh my god! Yeah, and he crashes it. So <laughs> it's not his plane. <laughs> oh my god! I know it's just so it's so bad. <laughs> um, so I do like, uh, but that opening scene was just so brilliant. That long take, and with the colors, with the different style, and it does look very Deacon esque, um, or Deacon's esque, I should say, but. I did really, really enjoy it, and I was hooked from that point. I will agree with you that they could have cut like maybe 30 seconds out of the helicopter fight because I'm like, what's going to happen? Are you going to crash? Are you going to go sideways? What are you going to do? Uh, so that was a, a little much for him to just get a ring, but I really did. I was hooked from the opening scene, and I, I think that typically James Bond movies need to start out with a very interesting opening, and then you know that you get the... So uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing. So I really liked that Dave Bautista was in this and I liked his mini boss kind of character. It's been a while. And I think this is the first Daniel Craig one where we see an actual like mini boss, you know, like so, a, a Jaws or an odd job. Right. So I, I do think that Lashif actually qualifies as a mini boss, but he was, but he was kind of the main protagonist in in the film, though, I mean, even though, even though we knew there was a higher power at this time, we didn't know it was Spectre. He still was like the only boss. Like James didn't have to go hand to hand combat with him. But but we saw that he answered to somebody, which right. automatically qual- and we knew that pretty early um, that he answers to somebody. So I feel like he counts as a as a mini well, boss. I guess in the sense of, of of him fighting someone who clearly has a different skill set than he does, right. where he has to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And in this one, you have Batista who says nothing, who's just brute strength, has those weird, crazy nails that he pokes people's eyes out with. Uh, why do you think the trope of, of a mini boss is important in a film like James Bond, if if it's important at all? Well, I think it's just a, it's good for the gander, as it were. Like he needs somebody to uh, to be in his way. It's, and it's always, uh, you know, like Bautista just looks like an unstoppable force. He's just a giant dude. So dude, it's it's like a Dave, scene. Yeah, yeah. He, could not, he was not stopping him. That He was a freaking monster in that train scene. Yeah, he was pushing the train all across Europe. <laughs> and then he had to stop for a second. He got tired. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah, no, he's, like, he's he's a pain train, dude. And like, um, and, and, I, and I like that. I think it's just to show that. um you know, even without help, it, it really, it's to show that he needed help, too. Even, you know, uh, his, what's the girl's name? Madeline? Madeline. Yeah, she even had to get involved. He just couldn't do it himself. He's a big dude. Even well, James and I Bond th- needs help sometimes. And I think that's exactly it. I think that kind of humanizes Bond because you see, so you look at different scenes, like at one of the climaxes of the film when they're at the headquarters, and he just takes that assault rifle and he just starts shooting people like one shotting them all these henchmen he kills like 10 henchmen and they can't hit him even though he's like standing right there 
he he uses like you know he's like headshot boom headshot boom so this kind of humanizes him where you take away his gun you take away his gadgets and it's like we're gonna fight you hand to hand so he needs to use his ingenuity and his surroundings to try to beat batista and he does uh i don't think he has a name in the movie it's just like batista or something but uh he he uh beats him by you know outsmarting him with that attaching him to the kegs or whatever those were yeah they were kegs uh, I think I think it's important too because I think that it those mini bosses were very iconic in in the certain films. Um, we saw a bunch of those though in the Pierce Brosnan ones. Mm-hmm. So you you have Xenia on the top. Uh, what was the other one from Die Another Day? The guy who had the diamonds in his face. Oh yeah, <laughs> forgot his name. Diamond he was, face. He was weird. Yeah, diamond face. <laughs> Golden face. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, and then the world is not enough. There was another guy. I can't because the, the girl was a bad guy in the world's not enough. This That movie was awful. I just I put blocked it out of my mind. But there was another bad guy. It was like a bald guy, I think. So it's important to have. I, I think <laughs> we'll call, him <laughs> call him Baldy. <laughs> Baldy the uh, bad guy. He's pretty good. Baldy. Baldy the bad guy. He rams you with his head. But I think that those those are important in those Bond films and they just kind of fit the whole style of Bond. One of the biggest critiques that a lot of people said was why Skyfall was so amazing is because Sam Mendes took this Bond to a different um, style. And, and this was a James Bond that we hadn't seen in a while. He was very broken down and very, you know, he wasn't as suave as always. You get to see his home life and everything. Yeah, he's, he's in, tired. Um, in the first exactly. in Casino Royale, he's doing hardcore parkour. And mm-hmm. he's shooting everybody, and he's a badass. And yeah. then he's like near death like three times. He actually has got his oh God, heart yeah. restarted again. And then by Skyfall, he's just like lethal weapon. I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> and then in this one, he goes. They go back to the old ways of James Bond. And so it's kind of I see I see why some people don't like it because it kind of takes you out of that. Wait, Daniel Craig is supposed to be this anomaly to the James Bond series, but now we're just making it classic Bond. But I honestly liked it. I mean, I, I really liked that because it, it kind of was that nostalgic effect. Um, yeah, but uh, the Daniel, the Daniel Craig Bonds were a big shift in in that thematic display. Uh, they essentially, like what you were saying with the parkour and everything, they were essentially a high adrenaline ac- action espionage. And action is subjective. I mean, I think that the action scenes were crazy, awesome. Uh, but why do you think that these Daniel Craig stories moved away from the the Sean Connery Roger Moore one punch and that's the big action scene. <laughs> I, I think I think because we as an audience have uh, evolved and we expect a little bit more from our movies and and they're capable. I think that certain action films have pushed the boundaries of what's possible in an action movie. Um, I feel like The Rock with um, you know with Sean Connery and, and Nicolas Cage and and uh, Ed Harris. Yeah, like. Michael Bay did something really, really special with that movie. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I didn't even know you could do this stuff in a movie. <laughs> and it just kind of yeah. changed, at least for me. I think that was the movie that that showed me what was possible in an action spectacular. When it came to just straight up guns and knives and what have you started some shit, as it were, from, <laughs> from uh, Desperado. Uh and you know it has everything. It's got it's got car chases. It's got guys with guns shooting everywhere. It's got hand to hand combat. It just you know it's the quick cuts, all this action, all this explosion, 
And and I honestly think that when I watched um, Casino Royale in that beginning, when it's showing how he gets his license to kill and it shows him doing those murders, like, oh, fuck, this is a this is dark. <laughs> They're going a different yeah. way. And then he's doing the, the, the chase scene on foot and they run into like an embassy and there's explosions and people are dying. You're like, holy smokes, dude, they, they are taking this in a different route. And I think that set the tone for what we expect from these movies. But I think at the end of the day, we have just evolved as an audience and what we want from these action movies. So I can agree that there is some sort of comfort that comes with going back to its roots. But it was almost like it came to a full stop. Like we had this sort of expectation with these Craig films and then it went back to an old formula. And I, I hate to keep using the mission impossible um, storyline, but I think that they're very akin to each other and where, you know, we saw in fallout, in my opinion, I think that was my favorite Mission Impossible so far, just because of the sheer amount of stunts that they did. And the story was actually pretty cool. I don't know how they're going to top that for the next film, but I think that it's the same way. Like with Skyfall, it's this big action spectacular. How do they top that? And they didn't top it in Inspector. It, it took a it took a a subtle dive on from that whole high end action, and that may be because he was older, but they weren't as super. Um, explicit about that as they as they were in Skyfall. Right. So uh, we don't know what's going to happen with No Time to Die, but I, we do know that there are some amazing like motorcycle stunts and hi- him jumping off a bridge, holding onto a cable. So I don't imagine that the action will be uh, ramped down. It's going to be ramped up. And it's funny that you brought up The Rock because I actually just watched a really good YouTube video the other day about how that was the first modern action film in terms of like what what we see now that's been held for these past few decades. And I agree with you. I love The Rock. This is Brigadier General Francis X. Hummel from the United States Marine Corps. Out. <laughs> or he's like, from Alcatraz. Out. I love that. Yeah. Um, and there was like the, the double cross in The Rock. That was interesting. I, Ed Harris was a bad guy, but he wasn't a horrible bad yeah, guy. Yeah, he just it's wanted like... the money. <laughs> then there's other guys yeah. that really, really want the money. <laughs> the money. <laughs> um, you know, back to the the old formula with Bond. I did think it was cool to see the Aston Martin in the car or in the movie. Oh, it was a beautiful yeah. car. Uh, yeah, beautiful car. The Goldfinger had a DB5 um, and then mm-hmm. this one was a DB10, but uh, it still looked very, very nice. So I believe the DB10, um, the CEO of Aston Martin said that it was specifically made for that James Bond film and there are only 10 in the world. Uh, so that was... Who, who owns them? That was only me. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, I don't know, Roger Ebert, posthumous. <laughs> uh, he's like, two thumbs away. If now. you trade in 10,000 monster tabs <laughs> from the cans, you can get <laughs> one of these sweet cards. So I really, really like Daniel Craig's style. I mean, that dude, even even outside of, of James Bond, he's just a great actor. Like in Knives Out, he dresses very well. He just... There's a scene towards the end when he's kind of explaining everything. He He's wearing suspenders and he rolls up his sleeves. And I'm like, this fucking guy <laughs> is so classy. <laughs> and uh, in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, he looks really good, too. Like, he's just wearing sweaters very nicely. But everything he does, and this is my one of my most fa- favorite Bond moments in any film, was it's not the, the fight above Shanghai. That part was amazing. But the scene in the beginning when in Skyfall, when he uses the excavator to tear down the train and he jumps on it 
and like he lands, stands up and he fixes his cufflink like nothing happened and he keeps walking. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> that that sums up exactly what James Bond is in my mind. He is just so suave and so badass. And I, I freaking love that. But I do I do really like his outfits in this film. Yeah, because it's a giant commercial for being fucking cool. <laughs> for, for Nescafe. Yeah. God, I swear to God, it drives me insane. <laughs> Why do I smell like cologne after this, watching this movie? <laughs> I'm just going to go check into a hotel. In a- I'm going to drive this car really slowly. I don't know. Why am I speaking in Italian? Yeah. <laughs> Gorlami. <laughs> Margareti. Margareti. So, I mean, I... I, I think this one had a lot of good action in it, though. I think that there was good scenes. I really liked the big explosion at the end with the headquarters, but it seemed kind of odd because he blew up, you know, his torture room or whatever, and then they're just kind of walking back, and then all of a sudden the entire thing blows up. The escape from the headquarters was pretty lackluster. I was expecting something a little bit bigger, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit. And I really did like, I remember thinking like, you know, there's the guys that hold the champagne, um, like the servants. I remember thinking, Mm -hmm. where do these guys, how do these guys get to work? (laughs) Like, I don't see any, like, I don't see like a parking lot for these guys to park. (laughs) I was like, I was thinking that I'm like, do they just get like helicoptered in? Like, I don't understand. What do they get paid? Like minimum wage? Uh, (laughs) They got to keep the champagne. (laughs) (laughs) You get to keep the glass. It's like, uh, like hard rock cafe. So, you know, it's really interesting. Um, in Skyfall, you know how he goes back to Skyfall Ranch, and that's like the whole mystery in the film, mm-hmm. and it's not um, discovered until, you know, the final. Yeah, exactly. Until the final, like, half hour that Skyfall was his home. But we do see Boiler that. Alert. Well, so we do, whatever. It's <laughs> Sorry that they came out in 2013. But we do see that his parents were named Andrew Bond and he was, he has like birth birth certificates say James Bond. Now for the longest time, there was always this debate saying that James Bond was just a pseudonym. It was an alias. Uh, And we kind of get that confirmation too with Silva because uh, Raul Silva is just an alias. It's not his real name. And he was also a double agent. So my question to you, Mr. Cavender is, do you think James Bond is an alias or do you think that's his real identity? I don't know. I always thought it was interesting how he never kept it a secret. He always said who he was. I know. <laughs> Everyone knows. Who, like, he couldn't lie. My name is Underhill. It's like, dude, yeah. you're James Bond. Your, your picture's right here on this, like, wanted Yeah, poster. you got to bounce check. You're not allowed to come into this restaurant ever again. <laughs> These guys mean businesses. <laughs> yeah. so I, I always thought that was weird. I'm like, what kind of secret agent just tells the whole goddamn world who he is? I always thought that was fascinating. <laughs> I know, right? He never hides it. Yeah. But that's that's where I think that's why I think it's an alias because he's like, dude, who cares? I mean, he, he makes the point with like Lashif when in Casino Royale that he says there's no point in lying about my name because he if he's as well connected as we think he is, he'd already know who I am. But yet he still invited me. So that's why he uses his real name or his well, James Bond. Right. So I, I, I really like that they they said that because that made a lot of sense. But, yeah, so and that's the thing too. You're talking about having a female uh, Bond film, and to me, the 007 is fine. I feel like that's his, you know, his moniker or whatever. So I feel like anybody mm-hmm. can be 007, but if it were to be a female lead, 
Jane Bond. <laughs> yeah, sure. That'll work. But I think anybody can be 007. Can I be 007? Sure. Oh, thanks, man. Do you have your Nitzka B? <laughs> no. I, I and your Molex? <laughs> my Molex? <laughs> it's like a knockoff. You can't afford no. the real shit. Um, so Lashana Lynch is actually playing 008, or maybe she's the new 007 in uh, in No Time to Die. So I'm excited to see their iteration of that and how that's going to work. And she's more tactical. Uh, her her appearance is, is just more of a tactical look, like she's wearing all black and, you know, like an ammo belt. I don't know. I don't know guns, but she's wearing that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to see how they run with that. Um, but I'm glad that you actually said that because uh, I had a couple random questions to ask you that can tie into this. Uh, who is your favorite James Bond and why? Uh, I'd say Daniel Craig is my favorite. I think he brought something new to the table. Um, I I think a lot of why he is my favorite is just because the bulk of his movies are exceptional mm-hmm. versus just a handful of good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, just being at the right age when Casino Royale came out, you know, I was like 26, but it was done in more of a real way. <laughs> as absurd as it is to say that a James Bond felt real <laughs> in the same sense that Nolan's Batman films were a little bit more grounded. Yeah. I felt like, these were two and i don't know i just found it more relatable as a as a a young uh adult i thought that it was pretty badass yeah but i I think that he's he doesn't necessarily have the campiness and when he does deliver a cheesy line it comes off a little bit more genuine (laughs) it's a little bit more feels more organic for some reason right there's a lot of similarities in the, in the style of the film, how this is. And I think Nolan really set a bar for a lot of things with making that kind of gritty realism because we see mm-hmm. that a lot in Skyfall and even to a certain extent in Quantum of Solace. Um, but we we definitely get that that realism like you're talking about. And and I agree with you. I think I think Daniel Craig has been my favorite one so far. I really liked Pierce Brosnan, but that was me growing up with him. Looking back retro- retrospectively, he wasn't the best. <laughs> um I really like Sean Connery, but I, again, I haven't seen him in Roger Moore in a long time, so I would need to re rewatch him. Mm-hmm. But I think Timothy Dalton's really good too. You know, that's um, what a lot of people say. And he's, he's pretty uh, badass. So he would be my second favorite bond would probably be Timothy Dalton. Mm-hmm. But I was also, um, you know, I was a little boy. I was like, whatever, eight when those ones came out. And I never really got into it until after I went out, once I was in junior high. So I got on the bond train a little bit later, you know, it was 92 before, before, um, Goldeneye, obviously. I had seen all the Bond films leading up to uh, Goldeneye. Um, and I really liked Goldeneye. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was so much fun. But I think uh, if when I revisited the Bond films a couple years ago, my takeaway was that Timothy Dalton is my favorite non-Daniel Craig Bond. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I, I, I could see that. I mean, we all have our favorites for a reason. But I sure. think I think Craig is just... I mean, the physicality that he has, he, he just looks you know, stocky, like he could handle himself in a fight. And it's not when he, when he was 30, he has a a sweetness to him too. Like, yes. Like how you're talking about with the scene with Vesper in the shower. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, he, that's a side that you don't see too often in James Mm -hmm. Bond. Absolutely. He he said like, it it showed off that we're all kind of vulnerable and we all have to find ways to deal with things. And I'm here for you. And that is not something that any other bond has ever done. Yeah. And, 
I won't sit here and try to argue for his his ways of like womanizing or anything, but he's not as bad as he was in, you know, like the 60s and 70s and such in previous Bond films where he would basically just treat these women like they were nothing. I mean, he still felt something like in in Quantum Solace when Strawberry Fields died, he was really broken up by that. And he told Emmy's like, make sure you put in your report, you know, she acted in Valor and blah, 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 blah. so he 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 did care for her and he does he never meant for any of that bad stuff to happen. It's not like a just a throwaway girl or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he does have he does have a lot of passion behind him which which I really enjoyed and I think that the filmmakers are shifting it slightly. It's just hard because the IP owned by the Broccoli family is very strict on, you know, what they do cuz it's such a <laughs> beloved uh, you know, male character and uh it's it's just kind of one of those things that they have to shift a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, with that being said, what are your predictions on No Time to Die? Where do you think what What do you think is going to happen in No Time to Die? Just randomly. Oh, I, I have no idea. Um, I think I th- no one I, no one's going to die because there's no time to die. <laughs> there's no time. I ain't got time to believe. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's going to be a different take. You know, on the poster, it shows him in this you know sweater, and he has that tactical approach too, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's wearing gloves and his his gun holsters on his leg instead of his instead of his hip. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think he's definitely having to to jump back in things, and he's got to find a new approach. But I think it's going to end in a hopeful way. Like we know that Bond will return. It probably it won't be Daniel Craig, but I think it's going to end in a way to where we're like, yeah, Bond's coming back. Yeah, bondage. What? <laughs> yeah. Or or uh, maybe maybe they will. Maybe they are going to be crazy. Not crazy, but uh, forward thinking. And now, now thinking and end Daniel Craig's bond and then kick it off with someone else. Yeah. I think that that could be really good. It could be a huge shock and a surprise if they were to do that, where they actually introduce it, you know, at the end. They may even completely like try to revamp like pass it. The torch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They may just try to completely revamp it a little bit too. Uh, I, I don't think they should revamp it. I think that they should definitely pass the torch, but it, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, so Madeline again is in this Blowfield's again in this because of the continuity. And it turns out Madeline double crosses him or something. And then we see her with Lashana Lynch's character, at MI6 and Bond is like, holy shit, what are you doing here, right? So something's going on between that and maybe Madeline hasn't been as truthful to James as need be. So I think it's kind of the Vesperitis that he's getting again with Mm -hmm. this double life that she's living. And something has to bring Bond out of retirement. Something big has to happen because even if Blowfield came out, I'm sure he'd be like, well, you know, it's not my problem sort of thing. So uh, something big has to happen. And like why he's brought back into into all the action. And I don't really know necessarily where it takes place either. It kind of looks like they're in, I wouldn't even say Rome, somewhere in like Eastern Europe or something. But uh, but yeah, there, there's a ton that could happen with it. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited. But April 8th, I think is when it comes out, 20, 2020, which is a, a mere four months away. <laughs> so um, it'll still be fresh in our minds, but. Uh, I like your idea of passing the torch, though. So then I'm going to ask this question to you, and I want you to think long and hard about this. Who do you think should play the next James Bond? And I'm going to go one further. Let's go male and female. Oh, my. Um, I... Uh, let's see. 
Okay, so for male, I would probably say um, uh, Idris Elba. I think that's kind of the obvious choice. Um, I did some fun math on him uh, because he's a little bit older. So Daniel Craig was 38 when Casino Royale hit theaters. And let's just pretend for a second that we get our next Bond film in 2023. Uh, Idris Elba would be 51 years old. Uh, so he would definitely be older. But Sean Connery, he was 32 when Dr. No released, but then he was 53 when he returned to the role in Never Say Never Again. So it is doable. Plus, I would argue that the fitness regiment and just the overall healthiness of uh, A-list actors sort of means that 51 is a weird number. It doesn't really count because totally. Elba looks amazing at totally. At his age yeah. right now, I think he's like 48, I guess. And and look at Tom Cruise, what he's doing in his 50s with Mission Impossible. I mean, yeah. he, he can he can totally do it. Idris Elba just did Hobbs and Shaw, where it was an action movie, and he, I'm sure, yeah. he did some of his own stunts too. So I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, Roger Moore was 47 when he took on the mantle in uh, Live and Let Die in 1973. And then T-Doll was 41 when he did The Living Daylight. So I think T-Doll's 41 is equivalent to Idris Elba's 51 uh, and there's no real, uh, the number yeah. doesn't mean anything. Um, and then as far as like girls go, um, our female leads, um, I think that like, because uh, they're typically British actors, but mm-hmm. I think that Al- Alicia Vikander would probably be a pretty badass. Well, I was thinking about her. Um, I, I think though that she, since she's Laura Croft, I don't know if... I don't know how well that would translate over, but I do like that choice of her because I did love her in Tomb Raider. I think she's great. I agree. Um, So I think that I agree with you with Idris Elba. I was worried about the age, but I also did the math yesterday and I was like, you know what? He could, even if they did, yeah, like 2023 or 2022 or something like that, they could get him for maybe three movies and then call it good. Right. Um, And then kind of keep going from there. So, but what I was thinking is if they wanted to go the other way and kind of go a very green James Bond, like a, a young James Bond, there's a lot of good. I think they should keep it pretty British for the most part, but Henry Golding uh, from Crazy Rich Asians, he's just blowing up right now and he's awesome. He's, he's like a very handsome dude. He's a very good actor. He's British. I think that he would be a very good James Bond uh, or Daniel Kalaya from Get Out and from other things like that. Because I think that he could fit that well. And he he has shown he can do a pretty good action movie too. Like he was in uh, Black Panther. And what was that other one? I can't remember. That's so good though. And uh, in terms of female, I was thinking Emily Blunt or Charlize Theron. I know Charlize uh, Theron is not, is not British. She's not but African. she's also, Is she South African? Mm-hmm. Okay, there you go. So, but she's still not American. Just keep the Americans out of it. We suck. But uh, Emily Blunt is just so badass and I immediately and she's gorgeous and I think that she is such a good actress. I think that she could fit that role very, very well. And she is just like British through and through. But same with Charlize Theron. And we obviously have seen Charlize Theron kick ass in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. She's great. Henry Cavill. He's a good one. <laughs> I can see him in everything. You could, you could. I don't want Henry Cavill oh, to be James oh, yeah. Bond. He's fucking awesome. He would just, he would just cock his arms, like reload his arms. <laughs> He could be a villain in James Bond. Jeez. He could, except he was already a villain in, in Mission Impossible. He could be a Bautista. I, he could. He could be a Martha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I asked I asked on the Twitter, Twitter there, um, 
which is your favorite Daniel Craig film? Rob said Casino Royale and Skyfall are about a tie for me. Spectre and third quantum bringing up the real or the rear. Sorry. Uh, Stoltz Ken said Casino Royale is better than Skyfall. Ooh, ouch. Gabby Tron said, oof, it's between Casino Royale and Skyfall. But if I had to choose, then Casino. And then Jen said Skyfall. Hands down. I love it. So I am going to throw a really quick hot take out there for you that you might not like. But I think it goes for me. Skyfall, Spectre, Casino, and then Quantum. I thought Casino was kind of slow at times. Quite a bit slow at times. Slower than Spectre? Are you insane? You're the worst. Don't be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I said it's a hot and controversial take. I I fell asleep 18 times watching Spectre, and it was still on every time I woke up, and it just pissed me off more and more. You didn't have your IV of monster hooked up. I did. I was double fisting. (laughs) And then on Facebook, Felix says, hands down, Casino Royale, favorite Bond ever. Huh. Felix, that's a pretty bold statement there. AJ says, uh, I feel like I'm missing one. I didn't know he was in four. (laughs) And I said, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Jordan was like, it's tough, but I absolutely love Casino Royale. Um, Who's Jordan? uh, He's my buddy. It's like when you're like six years old and you're talking about your day at school. Yeah, Tommy did that. Jordan did that. And I'm like, I I don't know who these people are. Matt Guy, this is just my my personal opinion. Oh. Matt Guyer says Casino Royale and Skyfall. Spectre was the biggest letdown, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah. Spectre was not the biggest letdown." And then Kamala, she says Skyfall. Unf. Uh, then Casino Royale. Love Spectre. Hmm, I guess that makes Quantum of Solace my least fave, but they're also good. Daniel M. F. and Craig. So Quantum of Solace, I think out of these four is usually the last one, and I think a lot of that is because the story and the pacing was really bad. Because it happened during the writer strike, so the script was pretty weak. What what say you of Quantum of Solace, though? Right, I I agree. I think it is the weakest of. Well, so I <laughs> just because I can't stand Spectre, I'd probably put Quantum over Spectre. I would probably say Casino, then Skyfall, then Quantum, and then Spectre. Um, but I I enjoy it, and also MGM was was going bankrupt at the time they thought they were gonna get bought out by somebody else and it took it took forever to get this movie made um so that had that definitely had a lot to do with it Um, that's true because it was bouncing around and that's why essentially they're like you know what fuck this we're gonna reboot it yeah there was even talks of that yeah it was crazy um so it it definitely uh, is a sacrificial lamb in a lot of ways but i I think it's it's fun i don't think the villain's all that amazing and and the ending he's the ending is just like specter where it's this weird little base out in the middle of the desert that doesn't make (laughs) any sense i did i I did i did i was like wait a minute where have i seen this oh yeah i saw it yesterday (laughs) when i watched quantum sauce (laughs) so i'm like "Eh, whatever but yeah i know that was kind of that was kind of ridiculous but (laughs) i don't know i guess uh, but, you know, um, real quick, what, back to Emily Blunt. Yeah, uh, she's she's yeah. like one of my favorites. Um, I absolutely I love, love her so much. Yeah, um, in um, Live, Die, and Repeat, or Edge, Edge of, of Tomorrow, Tomorrow. Call, it yeah. its, call it by its real yeah. name. <laughs> uh, that movie just knocked my socks off. I absolutely oh, love that movie. I like Looper too, but she wasn't a hero in that. She was just sort of a victim of circumstance. But she's just great. I love everything about her. Fantastic. Yeah. And Sicario. Oh my God, Sicario. I know. I know, right? 
uh, Edge of Tomorrow, Full Metal Bitch is what they called her, and I freaking yeah. loved it. Her with that giant ass helicopter <laughs> blade sword. sword. Yeah. Oh my god, it was yeah, so cool. I, I bought into it immediately. I'm like, yep, she's, she's amazing. Oh so yeah, she would be fantastic as the Bond. Yeah. I would be buying my ticket right now if they announced that. It'd be like, cool. And they go, sir, we don't do that here. And I go, so take my money. Yeah. <laughs> Jackass. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. I think that that would be excellent. Um, okay. And then finally, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite out of these uh, four Daniel Craig films? What is your favorite song? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here, wait, let me, let me before, because I think I know what you're going to pick, but before I, I say all of them, so it is going to be Chris Cornell, uh, from Casino Royale, uh, you know my name, or I think is what it is. Um, and then the second one is Jack White and Alicia Keys. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. The other one is Adele, Skyfall, and then the uh, the Spectre one is Sam Smith. Um, the writing's all. Oh wrong. yeah. What is your favorite? That's right. Um, probably Skyfall. How does it go again? It goes, what the sky falls, <laughs> when it crumbles, we will stand tall. Thanks all together, then it'll be great. <laughs> you sound just like Adele. Pretty good. Hello. I have I have my hand on my ear, too, like I'm trying to like, fine-tune myself. Did you just get out of a breakup? Yeah. Is that why you wrote that song? Yeah. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I really did like the Sam Smith one though from Spectre because I just I think he's got a great voice. So I did not like the Jack White and Alicia Keys one. It sounded weird. I like both of them as artists. I just thought it sounded very very weird. Uh, but and then I I love Chris Cornell and I loved that song at the time. But then I was like, eh, I don't think it was good. I, I agree with you. I think Skyfall was amazing by Adele. She's just so good. What is the Spectre one? Is like I don't like them. I don't like them. Yeah, that's that one, right? The <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> Except We're all Sam Smithy. Yeah, I I thought it fit really well. <laughs> it's it's one of my one of my favorite things about the James Bond movies is the opening uh, where they have like this cool kind of trippy thing mm-hmm. happening, and in in that one and in Skyfall it was really cool because he's like you know getting pulled underwater and yeah. stuff. And I thought that that was so cool and so Strong. powerful. The yeah, it, yeah, I feel like out of all of them, at least to my most recent memory, is that Skyfall is a little bit spoilery in the in the in the, in the song. well in the the imagery that's happening um, before the during the song. Yeah, you know, it's showing mm-hmm. a, like the whole, it's basically playing out the entire movie with these shapes and silhouettes and everything. I feel like a lot of them are a little bit more ambiguous and that one just it's almost like some YouTube flash animation. <laughs> this is Skyfall. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I don't know. I, I just felt that way. Spoilers ahead, so change the channel. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's weird. That's just kind of how I felt. It was it's they all kind of have their own little meanings to them and everything and they and they sort of make sense when you when you rewatch it. Uh, so what I would recommend that you do is after you watch the motion picture show, just go back and watch the the song play out and watch the animation and see if you can pick up anything from the movie. I think I'm going to have to yeah. do that today, then. That's a great idea. So, My idea. Um, <laughs> all right, man. I know. That's all I have. Do you have anything else? 
No, I can't believe we're still talking about this movie. It sucks. <laughs> give me a okay. Give me a letter grade for it. I already know what you're gonna pick, but give me a letter grade. What am I gonna pick? You're gonna pick a D minus. No, I was gonna do C minus. Oh, okay. Ooh, that's that's reputable. <laughs> uh, I give it a I give it a B plus. Mm. Yeah. B for uh, boring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna take us home. Um, everybody. Thank you so, so much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy slash Monster podcast. Um, <laughs> remember to please follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60. And as you saw, we, we will read some tweets on the air. If you have some ideas for us, you can be like, hey, you guys suck, or hey, you guys really suck. But just let us know. And uh, yeah, we, we like those. We, we hit the retweet and the like and whatever. But um, yeah, you can tell us what movie we even should do for our next episode. We are all ears for ideas. Otherwise, it's just us being like, let's do The Rock. And then Justin's like, let's do another Kurt Russell movie. So uh, yeah, we will always take suggestions from you guys. All that we ask for you, as always, is don't be crazy. So thank you for listening. And what does James Bond say? Stick him up. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's my catchphrase, remember? Stick them up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs>